My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. My name is Jason. This is season two, episode number three. And I'm here with my co-host, Bobby. Bobby, how you doing, brother? What's going on? How you doing, brother? Good, man. Good, man. Adventurous week for both of us here. We're both kind of sounding a little better. At least I am, for sure, uh, getting over the uh, stuff that's going around. And um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, let's let, let Bobby, let's you, let you take the ropes on this one to start it off. Well, uh, I think uh, Murphy was listening to us hard last podcast because uh, <laughs> as I was talking about, as I referred to the uh, Decepticon variant, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not two days after that, I literally got knocked on my ass. Positive. And this is the second time I've had the, uh, the Rona. And the first time I had it was before I was vaccinated. And this is the second time, and I have to say the second time, three times as bad. That's what I've heard from a lot of people, too. But, I mean, I can't speak for everybody. I can only speak about my experience. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a lot worse after being vaccinated. So that being said, you know, if being vaccinated is supposed to just not let you get it as bad, um, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think for me. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a case by case basis on that one. Cause I've heard stories like yours where, you know, it has put people on their ass where it did the first time, you know? So, yeah. Well, and that's where, that's where, you know, I don't mean to start to show off like this, but that's where, you know, people need to start to question how are all these um, boosters that they're trying to push or is that safe? Because from where I'm sitting, I mean, is this vaccine really effective? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. Cause it, is it really doing anything if people are continuing to get the stuff? I mean, again, we're not doctors. These are just our opinions, but yeah, if, if everybody in the, uh, the world is still getting this stuff, then what are these actually things doing? And at some point it becomes, you know, in my opinion, and this is Jason speaking easier just to deal with the, when you get it, process it like a normal sickness and then move on in life, you know? Right. And I, I, I literally had it. The first and second time was literally two years to the month. The first time I had it was right after it supposedly entered this country, and I got hit pretty good with it. And, um, you know, it lasted about five and a half days. And it wasn't nearly as bad as this go-around. And this go-around is post-vaccination. Right. And... um yeah, well, it knocked me on my ass, man. I, I thought I just had, like, last podcast, you know, when we were joking about this, you know, I just had kind of the what I thought was, like, just, you know, a, a sinus type head cold. Yeah, and, that's what um, I had, too. Then at, at my, my old partner at work, having to test positive, and 
I'm like, oh man, did I give her something? So since I had, you know, a couple tests here at home, I'm like, well, I might as well just check myself since she tested positive and lo and behold, you know, I tested positive and I'm like, well, I probably wouldn't have known that I had it unless I tested. But then two days later, it kicked into gear and literally flattened me on my ass for the past, you know, six days. So, yeah. So when you guys are wondering, sometimes uh, this week we're doing pretty good with it, but sometimes we have little little breaks in uh, recording our podcast and stuff like that. Obviously, some of it's just work schedule related. Uh, we have to have the time to do this. It takes a lot of time. Uh, people may not know, but it takes a lot of time to not only record the podcast, but to process it and get it uploaded and in, into the final state that you guys hear when you listen to it. And we do appreciate that. But uh, sometimes if one of us gets sick or whatever, you know, we're a duo show. So if someone's out, then we're done and we're skipping it that day or that week or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, irony was kicking in like a bitch because uh, it was just funny how we were talking trash, you know, last podcast. And right after that, it kicked into high gear. That's right. The, the karma train doesn't care. It comes around, man. It'll get oh, you every yeah. time. Oh yeah, that, that's my yeah. big. That's my big like thing. Like I totally believe in karma, you know, over but, over a lot of other things because I'm just like, yeah, that, that always comes around and gets you. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's it's like I've always said: is this virus real? Yes. Do I necessarily believe all the hype around it? No. But the virus is very real. You know, I would hate for my parents to get what I've just been dealing with the past week. You know, it's uh, the nights are the worst. I mean, it it literally, you know, head feels like it's 200 pounds. Um, wasn't running any fever. Um, the joint aches and the muscle posturing and the chills were probably the worst I've ever had it in my life. So um, that's all I can say. You know, that was my experience for the second time. You know, like I said, it was worse this go around. And the thing that's kind of wild is, you know, for the past two years in between each time I've had it, I can't even tell you how many times I've treated these patients and have had zero problem. But that just kind of goes to show that, you know, it's going to hit you when it wants to. Well, I'm so, glad you're doing better with it. Like, we both sound better this week. I will say that last episode, I know when I was editing it, I was like, eh, got a little nasally going there because I had a sinus thing for me. Mine was the sinus thing. Um, I didn't, I didn't, you know, thank God I didn't get the, the, the stuff you had to go through. Um, but I'm glad you're doing better with it and everything else. You know what I mean? But it just kind of proves my thing of like, yeah, it's a virus. I like you, I agree with you. Um, I do think it's a real virus, obviously stuff like that, but, oh, yeah. but uh, you know, it's just like, to me, it's just like any other virus. If you get it, it sucks. Knocks you on your ass for a little while. You'll get back up. You'll be all right. You know, you move on in life. It's a, it's a bad flu. That's right, 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 right. Cause yes. I, uh, I've had, you know, I've had zero fever. Um, I've had, uh, like I said, the only symptoms I've had are, you know, the, the nasty ones, which are the joint aches, muscle aches, uncontrollable shivering. And all this usually it hits me at night and then I'm out of the woods during the day and I feel fine. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm out of the woods and maybe this is it. And then nope, it freaking kicks into high gear again, like right around 7 PM. Did you ever lose, uh, did you ever lose your sensation of taste? No, I've never or smell lost or anything like that. Or taste or smell. No, the yeah. only smell that I may have lost was just due to sinus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I will tell you one thing, man. Um, this kind of pissed me off. Um, I've been making coffee 
and the smell of coffee just made me sick. I'm like, what the hell is going on here now? This this really sucks. Fuck you, virus. <laughs> yeah, that can't fucking be happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But the, the people that be that are in the, like the higher up people that like control the world are like, oh, so he doesn't want to play our virus game. <laughs> what if you can't smell coffee anymore, fucker? You know what I mean? <laughs> It's just the way it is. That, that that pushes you over the edge. All of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, pro everything." <laughs> oh yeah, because I, I I remember my my wife was leaving for work this morning, and of course, you know, I'm freaking going nuts in here, been uh, uh, isolating myself for the past week, going freaking stir crazy because I can't do what I need to do. And uh, you know, the first thing I do is I start making coffee and. Um, I start to smell it. I'm like, that smells like shit. And I'm like, wait a minute. What am I talking about? <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> funny. Oh God. First world, no, enough first world problems right there. Yeah. Enough of that crap. That's, that's just what's, uh, I just thought it was kind of funny how, uh, we were talking trash last week. And like you said, the karma police start to start to kick in. Yeah. But I, like I said, like, I, I don't know. I just, I've never you gotta laugh at it. Yeah, though. I laugh at it because I've never ever said it's not real. I've just said that the hype around it is not real. That that that, oh, that yeah. is made to scare you. All that stuff of like scaring you, the feeds on Facebook or Instagram you see about all the stuff about uh, 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 and they're trying to get you all worked up. Like, that's nonsense. And, and and all this for a virus that like is like, I don't know, whatever it is, ninety-nine percent safe rate anyway like it just seems dumb anyway but but that's just my opinion it's just jason speaking we're not doctors this is just our opinion um we're just out here to talk about it and potentially in some situations maybe say stuff that you can't because where you work or whatever <laughs> um so that's yeah. that's all we're talking about is but yeah we're not immune to uh to possibly obviously getting stuff you know just like everybody else right i think both both of us have been saying the same thing that uh yeah, that's real. But even though I've gotten it now twice, that still doesn't mean that I believe all the BS that surrounds it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like we've talked about before, I look at this as a bad flu and I treat it as such. I treat it as a, you know, like I would protect my parents the same way. If it was, if I had the flu, I wouldn't be around them. Well, it's, it's, it's like, ironic that in like a normal year with like before COVID stuff, all this stuff started, we would have the flu vaccine every year. And if you got the vaccine, I mean, if you got the uh, flu vaccine for that year and then fast forward like a month or whatever, and then you get the flu, you're not, you wouldn't go like, you wouldn't be like, well, that vaccine was awesome. You would say, well, obviously they missed the mark. That vaccine didn't work this year. But right. in this situation with the, with everything going on, if it reversed, you know, you get the, you get the, the virus and you're like, and then people are like, well, eh, it's still a good vaccine. Blah. You know, they just have excuses as to all this. That, that's what drives me nuts. I'm like, obviously, in my opinion, this is again, just Jason speaking, but in my opinion, it's not doing what it's supposed to be done. Uh, it's not supposed to, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Cause you right, shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, be getting it. You shouldn't be getting it. And the, the, the flu vaccine, the yearly, right. it's like we've talked about before is, is more in tune with what a vax is really supposed to be. I mean, granted, you know, there's thousands upon thousands of strains of flu out there that they, you know, basically 
try to make the best estimated guess every year. Like we talked about before, they usually make their judgment off of Australia's season since it starts before ours. And they fine tune it basically to that or the strains that were, that they thought were most, you know, evident in, in Australia that season. And they, they, they tweaked the formula to that, but still it's only a, what a maybe 30 to 40% chance they're going to get it right. But still, right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I still think that there's actually so much more documentation and, you know, data on that than there is on the modern day COVID jab. Yeah. And that's I mean, my, that's it, my whole thing. Honest, yeah. Let's be honest. It's a, it's a jab that we're still, it, it's on a worldwide global test scale right now. I mean, and anybody who thinks otherwise that are only fooling themselves because they did no animal testing. They rushed it due to emergency, you know, purposes. And we don't really know how it's going to affect anything surrounding this virus. Yeah. And that's, that's the truth. And damn it, dude, we're doing it again, man. We're getting off on this shit. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Well, it's all good, man. Let's get into. Um, uh, I know this week we wanted to kind of this almost like a, more like a Halloween uh, theme here, but I know we wanted to talk about some uh, on the EMS topic. We want to talk about some, for lack of a better term, eerie calls we went on because um, I know people like to hear that stuff. Anytime you're a medic, if you are a medic and you're listening to this, I'm, you've been through it a thousand times in your life. And if you're not a medic, just get ready. This is going to happen. That anytime you walk into a room and people find out what you do for a living. Uh, they're going to then, you know, ask you like, you know, have you seen dead people? Have you, you know, tell me a weird call you went on. Those are always the first questions that come up. Um, so, uh, we each wanted to do a segment this week to talk about like an eerie call, so to speak, we went on, um, just to kind of share our things. And then obviously if you guys are listening, um, and you have an eerie call you'd like to discuss, uh, you can just tell us about it. We'll read it on the show. Or uh, if you want to call in, of course, we'll uh, do that with you, too, so you could hear it live. So it would be an interesting segment to kind of talk about some really eerie calls. And there aren't very many of them in my career, but I've had a couple that have stood out. So uh, I know you've had two. So, Bobby, take it away. No, I think, uh, I think I've said this before, probably one of the earlier podcasts. It's not the nasty stuff that freaks me out. Because whenever somebody asks me, hey, what's the what's the weirdest or the most nasty? Yeah, I'm sure you see a lot of stuff. What's the tell me what's the weirdest or the scariest thing you've ever seen? I mean, it's not it's not the gory stuff. Like um, that that's not it at all. For me, it's it's the situations where it just leaves you thinking, how did this person survive this, or how is this person walking around? when they should be dead it's it, it's 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 calls like that you know it's those those are the ones that i mean that'll stick with me to this day that uh where you know whether it's i think i said before where i think the one that sticks out this is just one and i if, if i've if i've told this story before I, you know i apologize it was uh and I'll never forget this. And this was a while ago. This was back in 1995. Damn. You know, 
And after hundreds upon hundreds of car accidents, this one always sticks out in my brain. It is... I remember it was late one Friday night. We responded to a car accident. And we get to the scene, and there's two cars involved. One of them being a compact car that was literally crushed into an accordion. You know, and you, you, you drive up on that, and you think, oh, this person's dead. There's yeah. no way. You know, you were, this, this is just body part recovery at this point. Right. And, um, and it's one of those where you're, you're going to have to basically cut into it to retrieve anything like that. Um, and it was a situation where one of the cars actually fled the scene. But the one that Wonderful. was completely demolished was still there. Of course, like I said, me and my partner were rolling up. And, of course, the first thing I'm like, oh, yeah, this person's – this is a DOA. And uh, Which means dead no. on arrival for everybody listening. It's like, no, this, this guy is up walking around with a couple scratches. And the thing that, the thing that was so – screwed up it screws with my head not only was this guy too big to be driving a car that small but as crushed as that car got for him to only have a scratch then of course you're like how is that possible and plus how the hell did he get himself out was he and then of was course it like he checked in well that's that's what it's funny you say that because that's the first thing you start it's like did he bail before her, or did he did he get ejected? I mean, what what's the what's the scoop here? And uh, no, he crawled out. Wow. And I, at first, you know, I get on saying like, "Oh shit, man, who really was driving here?" It's like, <laughs> <you know, laughs> this dude's lying, but no, it was. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget that. That's crazy. Yeah, that's stuff you see when it's like it doesn't match up with like physics or what we, right. You know, and that was, that was, that was 27 years ago. Did, did you tell him like, do you know, do you know how lucky you are? Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Cause we, we, what we did was we, uh, we took him in the back of the ambulance just to check him out. Yeah, of, of course. course obvious. And of course, back then we didn't have laptops or tablets to do our reports. It was all, you know, three paper thick, you know, reports. Yeah. Press our three copies. Yeah, where you have, you know, you're, you have a, a, a big report sheet and there's, it's three, three sheets deep, you know, so it, when you're writing on it, it makes three copies. And um, I'm sitting here filling out my report and it's hard for me to write because my hand's just not wanting to work because I'm, I'm still like in awe, like, how is this fucking possible? You know, how am I even talking to this guy right now? And it was just so surreal. Wait, did he say where he crawled out of? Like, uh, like, like I, he got in the wreck, obviously. And it, I think, I think, I want to, I can't completely remember, cause, but it was, I think it was somehow out the back. Out uh, the back, like the back glass broke or something like that. Was, yeah. yeah. And, and um, but as you know, Jason, we see less accidents, far less than that, where, I mean, people are decapitated or, you know, cut in half or just crushed and yeah. just, it would make more sense if this guy was like, 
an exceptionally smaller individual, but he was at least 230 pounds. Yeah. Or you see like the obvious signs of like a, a windshield ejection where you can see like right. the, the starred windshield on part where, you know, it's maybe it broke out obviously since then, but you can see where there's a star stuff. There's blood there where they obviously hit their head and kind of flew out, you know? Right. Wow. Right. Or the only other thing that would make sense is if the car we were looking at was a parked car that got smacked. Yeah. 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 But, uh, no, it was, it was, uh, I, that still comes in my head all the time. Wow. And, um, that, that's, that was those, that's the type of stuff that really kind of makes you wonder. It's like, wow, you know, someone really is looking out. Yeah. And, um, it, or man, it really wasn't his time because anybody else would have been had a mangled death and it's just yeah hopefully a quick one if that sense. oh my gosh dude it just blows my mind you know it blows my mind that's cool but it's it's i think and i i apologize if i told that story before but that that is one situation that in almost 30 years it still sticks out after thousands of calls well it's funny you say that because like when I, I may have said this before on the podcast, I don't remember, but when I um, moved here to Alabama and I became a realtor and everything, and uh, I was working for a company and, um, you know, the first day you're meeting everybody and doing all this stuff and they happen to be having like a company meeting that day. It just happened to be the day they were doing it, the day I started. And so they're like, hey, we have some new people. There were like, I don't know, let's say five of us that were new or something. And so they're going around the room letting those people who are new stand up and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so I just moved here, whatever. So it gets to my turn. So I'm like, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm Jason. And, and I just moved here and from Virginia and da, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And before, uh, when I moved here, I was, I, I was a paramedic firefighter. And, uh, now I'm obviously starting this career because with my kid and all stuff, and we've gone over all that on the podcast. So, okay, great. Everybody clap, clap, clap. And then I sit down and then someone else talks and whatever the meeting goes on. Well, after the meeting, I'm sitting there and I'm talking, you know, going up to talk with like a group of people that I kind of met throughout the, the morning and stuff like that. And these two girls are in this group. And one of the girls is like, you used to be a paramedic, a firefighter. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, wow. And she's like, how long you did that for 20 years? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And she's like, so have you seen, seen like a dead person? <laughs> like, that's always what they ask. And it was like, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yes. And they're like, well, how many do you see? And I was like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't count them. But, but like, uh, she's like, you think you saw 100? I was like, oh, no, way more than 100 in, in 20 years. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I don't know, a lot. Let's say, I don't know, a thousand. I have no idea. You know, so, but it's just funny that like those, like the death calls, like where someone has died, whether it's a DOA or like a horrific wreck, like you said, those I don't remember. Like, I don't, I don't remember, like, oh, I remember, I remember dead body number seven, you know, like, you don't remember those, but then something like your call that you just went on and the, or the, whatever that you went on 20 some years ago, that is sticks in your head. Oh, but the hundred of deaths you saw in between there, or maybe thousands of deaths you've seen in between there or whatever. You're like, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> you know, but that one sticks in your head. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like to the bystander, that would not be the one you would remember. You would remember all the deaths, but to us, since we see all that horrific stuff, it has to be something unique that stands out that right. brings it home for you and and makes you remember it forever. Right. And uh, like, 
like we've talked about before, uh, a lot of people think it's it's the nasty, gruesome stuff. But no, it's it's not. It's the it's the the only word for it is eerie. The eerie stuff where I don't understand for the life of me why this person's walking around. Yeah. Well, I mean, because also how once they're, you... how they're walking away from the vehicle I'm looking at as we speak. Yeah. Compared to the thousands of other auto accidents you've been to that have been that same type of wreck. Right. You know, that same like because cars are now made to like everybody knows that now cars. If you don't, cars have crumple zones now. They started that in, I want to say, the 80s or something. But uh, where they... Volvo was the first one that started those from, from my uh, memory there um, where they started doing the crumple zones. The cars are made to kind of fold in on themselves, but keep the, the cockpit, so to speak safe. Right. That's kind of what they're supposed to do. Well, if you have a bad enough wreck, we've all been to cars where that you just, you're like, Oh yeah, I hope no one was in there. Like you said, I hope that was a parked car, you know? And if it's not, that's not a good ending, but yeah, to see someone walk away from that is pretty amazing. Oh yeah. It's a, I mean, there's, I know everybody who has worked or does work in this line of work, and they, they have their own situations or their own stories that they've had throughout their career, and there's, there's plenty of them. I mean, you're not going to work in this type of job without having something like that, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's uh, – and it's different for everybody. You know, some people, it may be the, the nastiness, you know, but to me, it's different. You know, that's the, the nastiness is something you just you just have to accept as part of the job. But that's I'll be honest with you. It's it's easier for me to look at someone who took a self-inflicted shotgun wound to the face. You know, who tried to kill themselves or did kill themselves than it is to deal with what I just the story I just told even though I'm glad that the person survived you know it's still that's what affects me more that type of stuff because there's just it 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 basically goes against all laws of physics why that person is still alive or how are they still alive and it just leads you to believe that and I, I you know everybody has their own beliefs but for me it's like that's total divine intervention right there well and yeah you have to and yeah that's yeah that's how you have to look at it you know and you hope that the people that are involved not you per se but i'm I'm, i mean like that but the patient that went through that understands the gravity gravity of what they went through and obviously who knows what happened i don't you know the story i wasn't there but um and i don't know if you remember it but what caused them to get in the wreck you know, so if it's something stupid, like they were changing a CD back in the day or a tape, maybe back in the day, if it was like 25 years ago, um, that they understand that not to do that now, like while they're driving, like this is what can it can cause. And for some reason you were spared, like you said, Wait, whatever your belief did you say, is. Did you say changing a tape? Yeah, like a, 25 years ago, man, a cassette tape, maybe. I don't know. I don't <laughs> remember. I remember cassette tapes when I was a kid. Uh, you know, You're absolutely right, because that was 1995. So That's was, what I'm saying. You know, Tapes and CDs were, were still the thing. Yeah, they were so. kind of intermingling. It was moving to CDs at yeah. that point, but they weren't like they were still like, you know, the cassettes and the cassette singles and all that shit, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Think about how long ago that was, man. So you don't know. And, now, and, and the problems are the same, whether you're fucking with your cassette tape, fucking with your CD, or fucking with your iPhone. 
it's, it's, it just moves. Technology goes down the road, but the fucking problem's still the same. When you're driving, pay attention to the goddamn road. See, that, that's funny though, because uh, you know, but like you said back then, it was like changing your tape or CD, messing with your stereo. Now it's like texting. Yeah, yeah, it's the same you thing. Know, or, yeah, because remember, or, remember the old days, you had the changing t- something on your iTunes while you're driving. Yeah, everybody, um, you know, I had it. You know this because you know you you know you knew you know me for a long time. I had that book in my uh, um. The like CD book in my car, you know. The, oh, we all the, did, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody did, but I had like I had one in like yeah. And back in the day, when when it when CDs first came out, of course, you know, you're you're like, oh shit, I want to hear, you know, I don't know, Motley Crue or whatever. So you're putting it in, and and you're and you're you're equipping it, and you're doing that. And I did it too. I'm not saying I was perfect. I did too. And then eventually, they eventually came up with like the like the twelve disc and six six disc and twelve disc changers that were pretty cool that alleviated a lot of that. You know, at least you were that, being a little bit. I, <laughs> I remember. Because I had a uh, people, the new people listening are like, "What in the fuck are they talking what are about?" They talking about. <laughs> I remember I had a. This is back. Uh, I had a nineteen ninety nine Grand Cherokee that I bought, and I had the dealership put a uh, six disc changer in the back. You know, and I, you know, of course. You know, it was like the six disc changer was put in towards the in the back, like back like around the what you would see is somewhat of a wheel well portion of the back yeah um and um you know you could just control the changer up i had these uh steering wheel controls where i could uh, i had these buttons underneath like the flip side of the steering wheel where i could change the uh the six disc changer yeah but of course now it's like shit man it's like everything is so now everything's digital, all digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Streaming and and just I can't even imagine that anymore. Yeah, I remember I had I used to have a uh, a '94 S10 Blazer, and I had a uh, um, I remember I had a, a Pioneer head unit, which had like a single disc player, like everybody had back then. And then in the back, I had a Pioneer 12 disc changer, and then I bought a and then I had a Rockford Fosgate amp, like a 500 watt amp, and a, a big. Uh, like three-way uh, dual box in the back that had like 10-inch woofers and, and uh, bids and, and tweeters and stuff built into the box. And that was in the back of my truck. That thing was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> no, no. That was back. Did you have your, did you have your windows tinted as well? No, I just had whatever the factory did. I, on, no, man. I didn't do windows tinted. But you I, but, I LA tent, but it was funny. I went to, I remember I went to, <laughs> I went to Best Buy. Shout out to Best Buy to the, um, not Geek Squad. What's it called? Where- wait, wait, hold on a second, man. Back then, that was when Circuit City was still around. That was before Best Buy. Wasn't now, it? no, no. I went no I, Best Buy and Circuit City around when I did this. Now, I did buy my MTS speakers from Circuit City because they had this heck of a deal on this right. box I was looking for. They were the only ones that had it because they a lot of places had like twelve inch woofers, and I didn't want twelve inch because I didn't want that annoying bassy sound. I wanted bass, but I want to play like Rage Against the Machine and shit like that. You know, not like rap or anything like i wasn't trying to play that kind of stuff so i didn't need as much bass but i want you know but anyway i found this the the M- i think it was the mts thunders i think they were called but but anyway i bought it i bought that at circuit city and then i bought the head unit and the changer and all that stuff at, um at Sir- best buy and then i bought the amp out in loudon county or something i went way out one day because they had the sale on it this one guy had a sale it was like 200 dollars off at the store and i was like for that model and he's like yeah and i was like oh shit, i'll be there you know i went and picked it up and um I remember I got it installed at Best Buy at the, not Geek Squad, I don't remember what it's called, the little bay you could go to, and dropped my yeah. car off. Told him exactly what I want. I said, hey, here's my stuff. I want this all hooked up. Blah, blah. 
And, and so I'm sitting there and, you know, they tell you to come back at three o'clock or whatever time it's going to be done. So I come back, um, at three o'clock, I get dropped off. I go in, I'm sitting in the thing. I'm like, Hey, I'm checking in my, my car, Jason picking up my truck and, and or my SUV. And he's like, he's like, yeah, we're almost done with it. I was like, okay. And I'm sitting there. There's like three other dudes in this little waiting room, you know, waiting for their cars as well. And all of a sudden the walls just start shaking, like, you know, everything's going crazy. Right. And, and everybody's like, God damn. <laughs> And then, and then, and then the tech comes out of the bay part into the, like the waiting room. He's like, he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know, that's your car you're hearing right there. That's the Rockford Foscate amp has a setting and I'll show you how to change it, but we have it set. It's, you know, one to 10, you know, basically. And, uh, we have it set at two. So if you want it, like, that's only at two. And he's like that. And everybody in the thing is like, damn. And he's like, if you want it louder, we can do that. I was like, no, that sounds great, man. And he's like, all right, I'll show you how to change it you have to like open the thing up unscrew stuff to get into it. it's not like a little knob you can just turn um right and they had it all hooked up and it was awesome and it was it was so good that like if i because um the uh the um s10 blazers they were the ones that had like the pop-up window in the back that would like pop out you know what i mean like the right so if i pop that thing open and played rage Guns machine it sounded like you were at a concert <laughs> it was so awesome and it would like shake your your rear view mirrors and stuff like that when you're driving it was awesome but it wasn't like annoying. It wasn't that thing where you just, all you hear is the bass and you can't hear anything else, you know, when you see people driving by, but that, that car was badass. All right. I don't know how back we got in, on this tangent. Back in the day, man. Yeah. I, used to, I, I love it. My dad, my dad, this is a funny story. My dad hates, like he's an older guy, obviously he's my dad, but he could not stand when you pull up to like intersect. This is back again. This is the nineties. So he could not stand when you pull up in the, cause my dad does not like loud music. And he could not stand when you pull up at a stoplight in anywhere USA and you always have that whatever car next to you. And they're like, <laughs> you know, and you hear that and you can't talk because you hear their stuff. So hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't I remember your dad freaking jamming out to some gangster rap and shit back in the day? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny because we're at, we're at a light. I'm with my that dad. That wasn't him? No, no, he, wrong guy. But uh, He wasn't like kicking it to Wu-Tang? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but we're, we're at a light. We're going out doing something during the day. I don't remember what we're doing. And we're going right. out and this guy, and we're at a stoplight, same scenario and hear the, and we can't hear each other because this guy's fucking next to us is being an ass clown. So I go, and my dad goes, God damn it. I go, yeah, hold on a sec. And uh, hold on a sec. And I just turned my, like, you know, I had my stereo on pretty low, like, you know, like normal, not obscene volume or whatever. And I just turned it up to like obscene level and I'm just blasting right. rage against the machine, you know? And it, and it's just like, and it, uh, you can't hear him anymore. Like you can't hear anything from his car. And then I just right. go, I just kind of just do that. And I just look over and then I turn my stereo back down. He turned his off. Like that was it. <laughs> like he, I was like, yeah, you're not going to compete with this, this system here. Get your little ass clown car out of here with your little fucking Honda or something lowered Honda. Go fuck off. You know? But, uh, but anyway, Sorry, we got on but tangent yeah. there. But no, man, it's it's funny how, like we were talking about, how back in the day it was about people getting distracted by changing sets or CDs on their stereo, and now it's, like you said, their iPhones or Androids or, you know. We, we had to do something. We didn't really have cell phones back then, you know. I mean, we did, but they were, like, retarded. Well, we did, but it cost, like, $2,000 a minute. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous, you know. You had it for basically just emergencies. Well, <laughs> well, I remember, especially back in the 90s, the people that had cell phones, because it was either you either had a cellular one 
the yep. brick phone. That's why. Or you had, or you had the Sprint, which a lot of times Sprint had like the the Nokia's. Yeah, I guess. And um, a lot of people had Sprint because Sprint was like the first minute of every call is free, so people would like accept a call and then after like the first, let me call you back on a landline. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So they wouldn't get charged anything extra because it was it was just so ridiculously expensive back then, and now it's just hard to remember how that was back then because yeah throughout the 90s yeah like maybe one in 10 people had a cell phone on on them or in their car and uh at least through the early to mid 90s and now it's just unheard of if you don't yeah, my thing back then was like you said, like people would call if you had those like free first minutes or whatever. They'd yeah. call and then I pull over and use a payphone, you know, kind of thing. If you had to talk to them then. But most of the time, like like back then, at least for me, like you didn't have long conversations on your cell phone. They were like, you know, like especially when you're young, you know, like you're like I got my first cell phone when I was 18. Like it's like your parents like, where are you coming home? Or your buddy's calling you like, hey, are you almost here? Or like some stupid thing that nowadays would just be like a simple text, you know? And instead, I remember you're, a buddy of mine. Yeah, a buddy of mine, he would, uh, it was probably mid to late 90s, he uh, used his cell phone all the time. And, uh, of course, he'd, uh, every month, sometimes his cell phone bill was like 700 bucks. I can't even imagine that now. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you remember yeah. back then, it too, it wasn't, it also was like, not only that you made a phone call, but it was like, what time? Because remember, they had peak, off peak, all that different stuff. If so, you're roaming. If you're yeah. roaming, yeah, that was a big one. Roaming was a big one because depending on what provider you bought from, like some of them had like really good networks and there wasn't as much roaming. And then they had like extended roaming and then they had roaming. And then, yeah, you had to pay attention to that. And then it was like, where are you calling and all the stuff? Because back then they still had like long distance charges and stuff like that. I know, again, any of these newbies that are young on this, listen to this podcast, don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Back then, if you called out of state, you had even from your house, you had to pay so much extra per call because you're calling like a long distance phone call. Whereas now you can call like I could get my cell phone to call someone in Alaska and it was it would just go through. It doesn't no one cares anymore about that stuff, you know. And then eventually yeah, they yeah. came with like nights and weekends were free, so no one was using their cell phone during the day and all that. Yeah, I uh, I resisted uh, getting a cell phone for so long. I mean, of course, I use them at work all the time. But I resist because I resisted for so long because one I didn't want another electric leash because still back then that was still the day of the pagers. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So I, of course, you're like, what the fuck do I need a cell phone for? Why do Why do I want to pay that much money, or possibly pay that much money and have it get away from me? You know. Um, but yeah. uh, I remember I didn't get, I didn't break down and get a cell phone until uh, early 2002. I uh, finally just said, no, it was about middle of 2002. I finally was just like, you know what? I need to get one, and I have not had a landline since 2002. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it's just wild. But I think that the thing that where we learned how overloaded the system can get as far as cellular phones and how things needed to be tweaked and rerouted and whatnot was 9-11 really showed oh, yeah. us how overloaded across the spectrum that it could get because no one could get calls through right after that happened. 
Yeah, well, we, we we both worked nine eleven, yeah. um, and we both were at the Pentagon on nine eleven. Um, right. Uh, so I know for me, obviously, with all the stuff going down, and we can talk about that. That'd be a great episode. Maybe next episode we can go more in depth of that and our recounts of that. That'd be pre- probably be a pretty cool thing to talk about. But I do remember with your cell phone part of that. I do remember like I couldn't get a hold of my girlfriend for she was not working that day, um, and I couldn't get a hold of her for eight hours. Six hours. I mean, it was a long time. I don't remember. I, you know, again, I'm not. I didn't count it or anything like that. I just remember it was like really late in the afternoon that I was finally able to like, you know, because you kept calling it. It just kept being like a dead signal, you know. And then eventually, one time I got through, and uh, you know, I was able to say like, "Hey, I'm okay." You know, like this sucks. Obviously, everybody was panicking as to what was going on and all that stuff um, for a while after that, for sure. But just letting her like, "Hey, I'm okay. I'm at work. My partner's okay. Da da da. If you need anything, call the call the office." They might be able to get in touch with me because we had radio at that point. You know, we could radio each other or something like that if we needed to. But, but just know I'm okay, and I'll see you tomorrow. You know, basically. Man, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years, man. I know I'm old as fuck. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Like, um, with that with that aspect again, I think we should cover this in another show too. But oh yeah. But like like I remember my daughter when she was younger, um here in Bama and uh, going to school. And of course they talk about that in school now, like that's history, obviously. And to me, it's weird to think of it as history because like I was there, you know what I mean? Um, So it's, it's weird to me to think about it being written in books, but it completely makes sense. Obviously that'd be in books. And, but you know, like telling her about it when she was really young and she's like telling me all the stuff about it. And I'm like talking to her about like, Oh, I was there and like, da da da, And like, you know, this is what I saw and this is different things that we did. And here, here's like a, a book I have, like I have, I have that time life book or time book or whatever it is, or life book, no life book. I see it right here on my, on my uh, coffee table here, but I have that book called one nation that you, you've seen that that was at my coffee table back in the right. day. It has all those like amazing articles and talks about the people that, uh, that we, that lost their lives and little bios on them. And, you know, and I was teaching her about all that, you know, and respect the people that, that went through this horrific event, you know? And gave them well, my uh, my old partner Karen, um, who I was at nine eleven, was was at the Pentagon with a nine eleven. Um, Karen, she took a lot of pictures, and she took a lot of pictures of that day that are unlike any other pictures I've seen, and I have some of them. But the, and talk about it. We were talking about eerie stories. This is eerie, but I thought it was awesome. Um, she took when it when it started to get dark that day, and um, they were because you remember Jason throughout that day, everything was still so unstable throughout the day that it was hard for urban search and rescue to stabilize anything to be able to conduct more of a search. Right. Remember that. So, uh, but as it got darker. Um, and in front of what people know as the gash, the Pentagon, you know, that, that portion of the Pentagon that collapsed, um, at night, you know, it was just, it was just kind of an eerie, surreal feeling. And Karen would take pictures right at the gash. I remember she was taking pictures of one of the, uh, the, the, uh, DODs. Um, it was one, it was the Army's urban search and rescue teams that was getting ready to, to conduct, you know, 
more of a, a search. And um, she took pictures of them, and then she took pictures of just right in front of the gash at night. And the way the light was hitting and, and smoke was still billowing up out of, you know, the site, you know, where the plane hit. And when she got, and of course, back then it was all, you know, people, it was all film still. And for the most part, and when she got those pictures developed, I remember one of the pictures of that night that she took of the gash, the way the smoke was and the way the light of the camera hit the area, I swear to God, it looked like the way the smoke was hit, it looked like an angel was coming out of the, the wreckage. That's An angel was coming out of all the debris. It was yeah, that's creepy, was, but uh, good, I guess. <laughs> oh no, it was. Uh, I was like, holy shit, you know. I mean, and um, it was one of those times. It's like you know, we can sit here and write this off to smoke, you know, or just a coincidental photograph. Yeah, but no, now <laughs> <laughs> it was just. Um, it was just one of those pictures that'll just like what, you know? That is just it was it was actually, you know, something beautiful coming out of a horrible situation. Yeah, well, you know? uh, yeah, and piggybacking off that like kind of eerie, weird thing that you just said, because um, uh, we kind of got sidetracked a little bit in the middle there. Um, my eerie call that I had was not a happy ending like Bobby's was. Um, so, you know, I figured that'd be a good way to end the show on a non-happy ending. Um, mine was a medical call we went on. Um, I don't remember what the chief complaint was off the top of my head. I don't remember. But I remember we got there. It was a husband and wife. We'll say late 30s, early 40s, somewhere in that range as far as their, uh, young. their ages. Yeah, young, young. And we get there and we're taking the patient uh, to the hospital. Uh, they wanted to go to the one with better wallpaper. Uh, we said, I said, no, I was, the, I was the medic in charge. I said, no, we're going to closest hospital because it was a medical emergency. So she, we get, we're talking to her and, you know, getting her prepped and we get her on the cot. We have the cot in the house and we're going through all this stuff. Normal, 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 normal call so far. Um, she starts flipping out. Like she is just, you can tell she's agitated. She's like, you know, she just, something's, something's off. You know what I mean? And she is freaking out. So we get her to the back of the, we get her outside. And then of course to the back of the ambulance or to the medic unit, whatever. And we're loading her in. And she's like basically pleading with us to let her husband come with and, and ride with us. And I said, Hey, that's not a problem. Um, your husband's more than welcome to ride with us. And I, the same speech I give everybody, uh, but he's not going to be able to ride in the back. Because the way she was acting, I didn't, you don't want that. You don't want to deal with people who don't understand. It's not that we're trying to be mean by limiting who can be in the back. It's that I have to know that if the shit goes downhill and I had a weird feeling about this call, um, like a gut sense or whatever, I don't need that drama in the back while I'm dealing with crisis. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I said to her, look, he can't ride in the back, but he's more than welcome to ride in the front of the ambulance or the front of the medic unit. However, we always recommend that you take your own car because we are a one-way, store, one-way shop. Like we don't take you back home and we're not taking him to get his car afterwards or anything like that. Um, so to save you a taxi bill 
or Uber or whatever. I don't even know if Uber was around back then, but, but, um, you know, we recommend he just follows us in his car, just drive like a normal car. We're going to go light to the <coughs> sirens, but you just drive like a normal car, sir. And the hospital is like, I don't know, two miles away or whatever it was. And, um, she's flipping out, flipping out, flipping out. And the husband's like at the back of the ambulance and he's, he's calm. Like he's pretty calm. Right. And he's acting like, this is kind of weird too. Like she's not normally like this. She's not that kind of a person that's, you know, anxious about this is not her normal ways or whatever. And so finally he talks to her and convinces her to, to, you know, do what we said. He's going to take his car. We're going to take her in the ambulance or medic unit. We're going to take her to the hospital. So we get in the back of the truck. My partner jumps in the back and start an IV on her doing the, put her on the EKG, you know, get vital set up to do their rigmarole. And we're doing all the normal stuff. And she's kind of, and I'm sitting on the bench. And for those of you who I'm guessing most people listen to this podcast, understand the pot, the, uh, the uh, back of an ambulance, but basically the head of the patient, there's what we call a jump seat. Okay. That's a single seat, like a captain's chair, usually some sort of setup like that over there. Um, and then there's a little on the, if you're looking from the, if you're looking from the jump seat, looking out the back of the ambulance on the right-hand side of the ambulance, there's usually a little crappy seat, a CPR seat is what I called it, where that's a little benched seat, but it's for one person where you can have someone on that side of the patient. And then on the left side, if you're looking out the back of the ambulance, at least on our rigs was a long bench that went down the whole thing. Um, and that was the big bench seat. And that's where I always sat as the, as the medic, because that way you can move around up and down the patient, depending on what you have to do for the patient. So right. I'm sitting in my seat about, about her hand level. If she has her hands out, cause I'm starting an IV and doing that kind of stuff. And, um, she keeps looking over past my left side. And by this point, my driver, who's my partner, he's gone to the front of the ambulance and he, or the medic unit now, and he's, he's going to drive now. So it's just me in the back with the patient. That's it. And so we're going like the sirens to the hospital. Easy ride, but we're, you know, just doing that to get there quicker. And she keeps looking like almost past me the whole time. And she's still freaking out. She's very, very uneasy. Very, very uneasy. And, um, and so, you know, I'm like, hey, what, what, you know, what's going on? Why are you freaking out? She's like, she's like, I'm just, and she couldn't really give me a good answer, but she just didn't look like she was, I don't know, it just looked weird to me. So I'm just like, okay. I was like, well, I'm checking all your stuff. All your vital signs are good. Da, 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 da. And um, so then we get her to the hospital. We go in. And for those people, again, who don't understand, when you get to the hospital on a medic unit, you go in, you check in at the nurse's station. Uh, the charge nurse is there, a.k.a. the nurse in charge of the entire ER. They assign you to whatever room you're going to go to. Or if you're going to wait in the hall or if you're going to take them to triage or whatever. Based on the report you've given them over the radio or a phone call, they have triaged them and they're going to get a room. So she tells us to go to room five. I remember that specifically. So we go over to room five and we're meeting, we're there by an EMT tech, emergency medical technician, who's a tech, uh, a tech there at the ER, an ER tech. And he also is a volunteer, this gentleman. Um, so I knew him from in our county. He was a volunteer. So I knew him and uh, good friends with him, whatever. So we're, we're starting to move her over. and. Um, she codes on our cot as we're like lifting her over to the bed. Okay. So at that point, to make a long story short, we notify the nurse, the nurse is coming into the room kind of during all this as we're moving her over, which is pretty common, commonplace. So we're telling the nurse what's going on. She's flipping out. She's calling for the doctor. Um, because now we're at the hospital. So the hospital is now in charge. Once a medic unit gets to the hospital, the medic is not in charge of the patient anymore. The doctor is at the ER, whoever the doctor is, that's going to be in charge of that patient. They're, they call the shots now, not, not the medic anymore. So the doctor gets notified. We take that patient from 
room five over to their trauma room, which is just a bigger room, obviously, because we're doing starting to do CPR at this point. And, um, and then as we go through the rigmarole and again, try to try to shorten the story a little bit, uh, the patient ends up, you know, is deceased. Okay. And then we don't bring her back and she dies and it ends up, she had a, a pulmonary embolism. That's what the doctor thought was the probable cause. Uh, but obviously they'll fi- figure it out for sure later, but that's what the doctor said. Like there was nothing we could have done. And um, it, it was just her time. So the weird thing for me on that call, that call in itself is not abnormal per se, but the weird thing was how she was acting and how terrified she always looked throughout the call. And depending on, again, on your beliefs, and I'm not here to push beliefs on anybody or anything like that, but I went to the EMS room afterwards, which is where we go to write our reports and resupply, get supplies, maybe something to drink or whatever. And there's a place where we could sit down and write our reports. And I'm already my report and my partner comes in like normal. And he's like, he's like, man, that was crazy, huh? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to need a minute, you know? And he's like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I just need a minute, man. Like, like, and, and then, and finally, like after a couple of minutes, you know, he's doing his stuff, getting stocking stuff that we need to restock the ambulance out of the Pixis there. And, uh, and finally he comes and sits down and I was like, I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, I get it now. Like, I think that that lady, this is my opinion, obviously, but whatever you believe in is like the grim reaper or death or whatever. I have a feeling he was sitting next to me on my left-hand side on that bench seat. And I think she saw him at the house and that's why she was freaking out and wanting her husband to come, which was not normal. Right. For normal patients we see, like that's pretty not like common sense, unless they're like mental or patients or something. This was not that situation. Um, and she, like I said, she kept looking past me to my left-hand side at, and was terrified looking the whole time, which I thought was very odd. And then of course, lo and behold, she, she passes away in the ER there at, at, at the hospital. Um, and so it just took me a minute to like comprehend that. So that's like my most eerie call I've ever went on because like I said, been to a hundred thousands, whatever dead people. Um, I've seen all the gore, like you said, like the grossest thing you can think of. I've probably seen it 20 times per each gore that you could come up with as probably have yourself. Um, but something like that, where you're just like, cause I, I'm not like for me personally, I'm not really much of a religious person, whatever, but that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Cause you're like, Whoa, you know, they didn't tell me what they saw. They didn't tell me why they were freaking out. They couldn't really answer it, but it, the way, yeah, I, I, I mean, I knew something was weird, but I definitely didn't. It's not like, now I'm not going to say like, like a ghost hunter, uh, ghost adventures or something like that, where I could sense it was there and it was a cold spot. No, it was none of that bullshit, but I could, I just knew something was weird. And I just kept noticing when she was looking over here to my left and I didn't understand why she was looking there. I definitely didn't understand why she was freaking out so much being that everything we could see was, you know, you know, we were taking care of everything that we could do. And, um, and then just to see that happen in the ER, that freaked me out. And so I, to, I had to take like 10, 15 minutes at the ER. Once I told my partner about it too. Um, and he was sitting there and he's like, I never thought about that. I was like, yeah, dude. Cause remember you weren't, cause he was in the back too. When we, before we started the transport, he's in the back helping me get stuff set up, putting him on the life back, you know, hooking up the BP stuff. He's doing all that stuff where I'm doing the IV stuff and getting all that. And, I was like, yeah, dude, like you were in the back there. Remember he, she's like, yeah, she was freaking out. And I was like, yeah, what if like across from you? Cause he was sitting in the, he was sitting in the CPR seat doing his stuff. I was like directly across from you, basically a little bit to the right from his perspective. Could right. have been the Grim Reaper just fucking sitting there. So that, that's my eerie call, man. And that's something in my career of 
20 years of EMS and, and 911 and private and seeing all sorts of shit and going to, I've been to the morgues. I've been like, I've seen all this stuff you see. And that, that call particularly just sticks in my mind and I'll never forget that, you know? So that's, that's my, that's my eerie story to uh, happily end this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, uh, that is pretty eerie. Yeah. So depend, like I said, depending on what you believe in, especially you can, you, especially when you can tell, especially since she was looking like beyond your, Oh yeah. Like she was, shoulder. she was ghosting me. Like it was like, she I, was, it was, was like, I wasn't there. And when I was talking to her, she, she wasn't, she was talking to me obviously, but the, her answer, she wasn't speaking in tongue or anything like that, but her, like, I was just like, Oh, why are you so scared? You know, like normally someone would be like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just, it's just, I haven't been to the hospital before. My sister died, whatever, some story like that. And you'd hear some story that like, oh, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? And, and, you, and you comfort them. Fixated on something. Yeah, her eyes were like looking past me to that side. And wow. again, didn't think anything about it at all when it was going on. Not, you know, I was like, okay, she's just, I don't never met this lady before. I have no idea if she's, like I said, a mental patient. I, I have no idea what's going on, but I just knew it was not normal. And then coming to find out when she coded on the cot as we were, well, she wasn't talking, we were moving her from the cot to the, to the gurney there at the hospital. And that's when she coded. And it was just like, oh, okay. Now it's all, now it all makes sense. Now it was like, okay, she was seeing like, you know, at the house when we're loading her in the back and she's in the, she's facing backwards as we're loading her into the back of the ambulance or the medic unit, you know, she is looking out and she's seeing me. She's seeing my partner and she's seeing right. her husband and she's seeing, you know, three firefighters or whoever else is on the scene. Right. And then there might've been that other person standing there. You know what I mean? somewhere in that group that she saw that she was like, Oh no, no, my husband needs to come with me. You know what I mean? And like, we were all like, what the hell? And then, you know, we found out what was going on. So yeah. Well, one thing that, yeah. One thing this job will, in my opinion, will do when it comes, especially when it comes to situations like you just explained, Jason is uh, it really shows you what a three dimensional world we really live in. And that's all we know is is the three-dimensional side of things because but one of the things you will possibly see in this job is you know the possibilities of beyond a three-dimensional world i mean because when it comes to like what you just explained uh you know you could feel it yeah, I mean, how many times have you been? To it wasn't. A, it wasn't a hunch. You could feel it. Well, you, how many, you could feel that there was there was something else in play. Yeah, and I didn't know what it was. Part. I didn't know what it was, even right. though I was an experienced medic. I didn't know what it was because I've never experienced. I've never experienced that look of terror from somebody before. Right. So I didn't understand, and I've, I, like I said, I never ran this patient before. So, like, I didn't understand. I didn't put it together quite oh, right away because I'd never seen that before. Because I, I, all of us have been on, um. Deaths, 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 death, death, <laughs> sorry, let me try this again. Deaths that have recently happened where you get to the call and they're dead, but they just recently passed on and you sense something. Yes. And I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get like, like whatever. I'm not trying to get silly about stuff, but like you sense something like, and we always, and, and I know for me, and this is just Jason speaking, but we always have, um, you always have, uh, unfortunately, you always have newbies that are on some of these calls. And sometimes you'll hear things being said that maybe um, 
are inappropriate. Uh, maybe things that shouldn't be said like during that time. Cause people handle stuff differently, especially if they've never seen a dead person before or something like that. And I always am a big stickler, obviously with not shutting that down immediately. If I hear it for obvious reasons, well, plus, but, but like, you don't like, cause in my belief, if someone just dies, like they could be still there. I know that's kind of, we're getting off topic yeah. here a little bit, but like, like if they're there and they're seeing themselves, they're outside their body, seeing themselves and you're here, I don't know, making fun of some situation or whatever. That's not appropriate, you know? And sometimes you come in those houses and you can, you know, like, Hey, it's, it's someone who's a, like a hospice patient, but they're at home, they're right. home hospice. And so they're, they're going to die. Like that's why they're on hospice. That's why they're, they're living out their final days and their final hours at their house with their family who knows it's coming. It's not a matter of if it's when, and it's usually a very right. small window of time. Like to be in hospice, you have to be dying within six months. Um, so like, it's not a long process in there normally. And right. you get there and that patient passed on. Like they call because it's, a, they call for a DOA cause they came in there and their loved ones passed on and you get there. And sometimes, like you said, it's de- the body's still warm. It just happened. And, uh, and they're definitely, you know, they're definitely dead and they have a DNR. So you're not going to try to do anything to save their lives or anything like that. Um, yeah. And it's, you can feel it, you know, you can feel it in there. You're just like, okay, this is not like a normal call where it's just a body in a house or a body in a trailer or a body in a whatever, you know? Right. And it's kind of like we've said for a long time now, the hearing is usually the last thing to go. Um, that's usually the last sense to go. Um, yeah. So even if they could clinically be dead, that doesn't mean they still can't hear you somehow. Right. You know, or depending on what you believe, I mean, um, right at the time of death, that's when the spirit starts to leave the body. Um, right. And if you're there like minutes after it happened, it's, yeah, it might be a thing where maybe, you know, especially if it's like a, if it's like a trauma thing, it's not expected. Maybe they might be a little confused possibly, you know, again, we're getting into a whole different realm of stuff here, but like, yeah, well they're there. And it's just like, you're just like, wow. You know, and you could feel it. You could feel those calls. Cause I've been on like you, I've been on, I, again, I don't count them, but thousands of CPRs. Okay. In my career. I mean, lots, lots of CPRs. We've all been on them. If you've been in this business long enough, you're going to go on them and it's, it's going to add up over time or, you know, and, and, and there's times you go in there and person's dead and, and you're going to work it. It's a working CPR and you're going to work it. And the call ends, you go to the hospital, they, they continue to work it at the hospital. Eventually the doctor calls it after one or two rounds of ACLS. Um, and then, and then the patient is now officially dead because the doctor has blessed him as dead. And, 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 and through that entire call, you feel nothing. Like, you know, not, not, not that you're not, you're not, you're not an asshole about it, but I'm just saying like, you didn't, and it's like, okay, like you didn't, you didn't get any of that EBGB stuff with it. You know what I mean? But then there are the other ones when you get there where you, like you said, you could feel like the, the room is, has a different feeling when you get in. It's just my experience. Right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, 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 everybody has their own beliefs. Everybody has their own belief system. Um, I, one of the things that is hard for me to believe there's, there's a good amount of people out there that believe that's like, Hey, we're all just dust in the wind. When you die, you die. That's it. You're done. You're, 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 you're gone at that point. I, I don't necessarily believe that because, um, you know, consciousness, that's a strong energy. That is, you know, when it comes to, you know, consciousness 
that just doesn't go away. That 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 is an energy that just doesn't die. That goes on, and um, that's that's my belief. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't believe we're just dust in the wind, and that's it. When we die, we die. That's it. If that's your belief, that's fine. But um, I don't believe that. Yeah, and doing this job, like like we said, like doing this job will inf- will influence your belief in whatever that belief could be. You know what I mean? Because, it'll, it'll test your belief. Yeah, too. yeah, that's a better word. Not influence. That's that's a better word. Test your belief because you will like. I definitely am not someone who, and and you can read stories about this. Uh, like what I went through, you can read stories about that all over the internet. You could probably find people that went through it and they can tell you they saw a grim reaper or whatever their religion calls that person. Right. Um, I'm not someone who believed that I'm not someone who believes that there's this like ghouly looking dude that shows up when you're about to die. Like, you know, however, however, I'm not disrespectful to think that that's not possible. And when I went through that specific event that I went through, not that I heard from somebody else, not that someone told me about a call they ran one time and I'm sitting like, no, I went through it. I was like, okay, that's, that, that challenges. There's something there, you know what I mean? And it makes you kind of reevaluate your, your stuff, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, you look at, you look at, you know, every aspect of consciousness. I mean, emotion, um, memories, you know, just the thought process. You know, just personality, just, you know, the soul. That's that's something that just doesn't die. That's something that just doesn't, the light doesn't just go off, you know, once someone is gone. That is something that transcends all of that, in my opinion. I mean, because we're talking about an energy that if you really look at it, we really don't know that much about. We know how it feels because we know how we are, but we don't know everything there is to know about it, all the aspects. And, you know, I know people like to say that they do, but if you really look at it, we don't. Well, that's and, one of, that's one of my, that's a great point you brought up. Cause that's always been one of my things that have, it, it, you know, and, and this is just Jason speaking, but has made me not religious like other people are. In, in the world right. or whatever is because all, anything that anybody tells you as far as like for in this situation, like what's going to happen when you die, it's all secondhand. In my opinion, it's all sure. secondhand. And again, this is just Jason speaking and they don't fucking know because no one's been dead. Okay. I'm going to say this lightly. No one has been dead and come back that we know of, you know what I mean? Now, now there are people that have had that happen to them. And right. they'd be interesting. They would be in, I would be very interested to talk to people like that that went through it. And they, you know, they say they see the light or they see their loved one, you know, that kind of thing. And then they come back because they clinically were dead, like factually clinically dead by a doctor in a hospital. And then they worked the, the CPR and they brought them back. And now they're physically sitting in front of you and they're alive, <laughs> you know? So there and are definitely, you and I have, you and I have, brought people like that many times yeah yeah yeah, and you, it, yeah it's it's uh but hey that'd be a good time to say hey if there's anybody out there who has experienced this meaning they've experienced 
dying, Death. dying, yeah, and dying coming and coming back. back. Yeah, Please. yeah, and I'm not talking about you were dead for like you know a, a heartbeat. You know, like we push a right. denizen, technically you die for like a couple beats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who is clinically dead by a clinically doctor, dead for a certain by a doctor. And in my opinion, this is Jason speaking. For me, for me to believe it, it has to be clinically well, dead or, by a physician. Well, I mean, if if they if we bring them back out in the field, they've been out for like ten minutes. Yeah. Or, well, okay. That's you're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, you right. don't need a doctor to. But but yeah, you have them on the monitor. We are the doctor yeah, at that point. You have them on the monitor. Or maybe you, if you were the patient, you have the cardiac strip, you know, that shows that you flatlined or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Something, something where there's some sort of scientific thing that backs your, what you're saying. Like, that's interesting to me because, um, yeah. Cause like the, the idea, like you said, the idea that, um, your life is a light switch for lack of a better term and, and you, you're born and comes on. And then when you die, it just goes off. That sucks. <laughs> if that's true, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe that. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, that's what I'm saying, I, and I know you don't, and I'm not saying that you're wrong or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just no. saying, like, if that was, if that factually, like, was real, like, like how horrible is life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you think about that, because as soon as the switch goes off, none of it mattered. Well, you could argue that. I guess philosophically, you could argue that either way. That now it did matter to people that are still whatever. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like that's fucking terrifying. Well, no. If, if there's anybody out there listening that has been through this, meaning they've they've died and have been brought back, please contact us. We would love to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Send us an email at paramedicsunscripted at gmail dot com. Um, and and you can be anonymous if you want to be anonymous. If you want your name mentioned, we'll mention your name. Um, obviously, just mention your first name or whatever. Uh, maybe where you're from, stuff like that. Um, if you want to write us an email about your story, uh, no judgment, no. No making fun, nothing like that. We're, we'll, we'll look at it, and if it, you know, if you want it read on the show, no. we'll talk about it, man. And if you if, want to come on name, the show. If your name is John Doe, that's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, give your first name. We're not going to out you or nothing, you know, like, you know, Tim called us from, you know, Tim at gmail.com or whatever, you know. No, we're not going to do that, but, like, it, it's interesting to hear those things, and I know we, you and I had talked about this as a pop, possible episode idea back in the day yeah. off air. Um, yeah. And yeah, it'd be interesting to hear that side because I haven't experienced that myself where obviously I've died and come back or anything like that, but I have experienced that, like you said, the, the aftermath. Yeah, the aftermath. Yeah. I have saved people in CPRs. I have, I have, you know, seen them like, like I remember like one we did like one of those, we've all been on hundreds of CPRs, but, but you go on the one and they're like, this is just a fucking training video. You know, that's all this is. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, holy, and, you know, and then I remember I was with my partner who was, you, now for those people who don't know, in our, at least in my system, I can speak for, uh, we rolled single medic to a truck most of the time. Okay. But if it's a CPR, a working CPR, the medic from the engine who's there, cause the engine's going to be dispatched to a, a CPR, that medic's going to jump on board the medic unit. Now we're rolling two medics. Now that doesn't always happen. Okay. There are exceptions to the rule. I've run plenty of codes by myself as the only medic on the call. but um, most of the time, someone, a chief, someone is going to jump on your unit so that you have a second pair of ALS hands there. Um, but I remember one specifically where it was like a training video. This is dumb, but this is, you know, it's not dumb, but this is like what we do, but this is not going to, this is just going to be a dead person. And all of a sudden we're driving down the road and then my partner's like, I remember he's like, dude, holy shit. And I was like, what? And he like freaked me out. He's like, yeah, dude, I have a radial pulse. And I was like, no, you don't. Go fuck off. You know, 
because <laughs> it's like one of those calls. And then you're like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and now that person ended up dying later in the hospital and stuff like that, um, which a lot of times that unfortunately happens. But Well, then there are those times where, and this is going to sound bad, but it's true. Someone's been down for so long, you, you, no matter what you're doing, no matter what drugs you're giving them, or if you're, if you've given them who knows how many shocks or whatnot, or you've been pumping and blowing on them for a long time. Yeah. You, at a certain amount of time, it's like you kind of hope you don't get them back because when it gets to a certain time frame, it's like it starts to become about quality of life. You know what? What type of quality of life if we do bring them back at this point, or if there were underlying circumstances where, you know, of the, any particular situation that happened to be, you know, there, there's been times where it's just like, yeah, it sounds bad when I say this, but there are times where you're like, I hope we don't bring this patient back because of what particular circumstances are going on because of how bad the situation was. Yeah. And that, you know, or, well, yeah, that's true. Like you said, because, um, yeah, a lot of, or a lot saves. of it happens. A lot of it happens. And I mean, interrupt you. A lot of it happens. Um, and this is another topic for another podcast uh, where family members, the person in question that we're working on wanted an R, but the family, family didn't get one and they did not want to be resuscitated if anything happened. But since there was no DNR, do not resuscitate order, we have no choice but. Or, or more importantly, or more importantly, it's not valid. The one they have is right. not valid. That happens all the time. Yeah, and you've got a terminally ill patient that now you're having to work, which that's not what they wanted. But since the family members, you know, didn't check a box it, right or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't check a box right to where it made they, they did not have DNR paperwork. We have no choice but to work them when you know you're going against that patient's wishes, and that's a hard thing to do because it's like. Uh, especially if they're a terminal patient and they wanted to go, but then, you know, you have no choice but to work. But sometimes it's those times where you're like, please, let's not bring this person back. Let's just let them go. Hopefully, hopefully well, I, we don't get a, a good rhythm back. You yeah. Know, well, I can't tell you how many times, like, cause, cause I did, uh, in the beginning of my career when I was doing like volunteer nine one one and stuff like that, I was, I did private ambulance where you transport a lot of ill people to different facilities right. for different reasons. And, um, uh, very familiar, became very, 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 very familiar with DNRs, like to the point where I could recite like state rules of, you know, like, no, nope, this is not valid. Like, you know, and compared to a 911 provider who just does 911, um, right. they may not be as familiar with it because in the field, you don't see DNR, at least back in the, I'm talking about back when I was doing this, like in the early days, you didn't see DNRs as much and no one really understood that like, um, yeah, see, okay, so, well, so, Sir, you can't work, you know, like we're working a code in a 911 call and they're like, you can't, they have a DNR. I'm like, yes, sir. I, I see the DNR here. You hand it to me. Thank you. Um, here's the problem. They're like, well, it's signed by the doctor. I'm like, it is. But you see how you checked box one here? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, if you check box one here, then you have to check box one or two in the next section. And that wasn't done. So this is not a valid. And you, and you have to explain this to these people. And this is signed by a doctor. You know, and some, but some of these doctors didn't even know what they were doing, you know? And, and, well, this happened to me. It's funny you said this, this, this exact situation happened to me about two and a half weeks ago. Um, it was about midnight and, you know, we respond to a, uh, you know, a working code, you know, or possible cardiac arrest. And, um, we get there and it's obvious these 
this man and his wife, they were taking care of the wife's father. I mean, there's a hospital bed in the, uh, in the living room and whatnot. And, you know, we're bringing everything in, getting ready to work. She's like, no, I don't want that. And it's like, since they didn't have a DNR established, we didn't have choice, you know? So, um, but it was obvious that, um, there was no, it's obvious he passed away in his sleep, which was probably the best thing that could have happened to him because, uh, sure. you know, the last time they had, they had seen him alive was when he went to bed at around 11, 1130. And this was like, probably, yeah, it was almost one o'clock in the morning when we got there. And, um, you know, they did, they did not want to see us have to work them. They didn't want that, but it's like, we don't have a choice by law. We have to, since there's no paperwork saying that, you know, there's a do not resuscitate order. So, you know, we worked him, you know, for about 15 to 20 minutes and for about 15 minutes. And, you know, he was, he was asystolic when we got there. So, um, and then, like I said, there's no telling how long he was down. So we ended up calling it in the field. And, um, that's one of those calls where it's like, you know, from what the family members said, that's not what he wanted. So it was actually, it's a good thing that we, you know, since it, since he was had health problems, I I can't remember if he was terminal or not. That it, it was probably a good thing that we didn't bring him back because of the underlying circumstances. I hope that doesn't sound too harsh or morbid, but you know, there's certain things that you got to think about. Yeah, you know? yeah, and things you have to be prepared with if you're going to get in this field. Um, it's not all the uh, the glory of being the hero. You know, no. on every call and stuff like that, there are times you have to deal with, and that's why uh, both police and EMS and fire people, you know, get get into drugs and alcohol a lot, is because they have to deal with this kind of stuff. You know, that that normal normal layman person doesn't have to deal with. You have to deal with like like you said, like decisions like that. You know, you know, doing stuff like that, and you have to deal with the that part of like you're doing something that you know is what you should do technically to save someone's life. But in this particular situation, it's not what the patient wanted. It's basically a training video, but you know what I mean? Like, and you have to make, you have to go through that and then live with your, uh, your results. There. Right. But, uh, Hey, we've brightened your day enough. I think this week. Um, and, uh, sorry to end on such like a sour note and everything, but we do like to keep it real on paramedics unscripted. And, um, you know, you guys who, who listen to the show, I'm sure want to hear the real stuff and, and obviously our opinions on stuff. So um, we appreciate you continuing to listen, uh, like, and subscribe, uh, tell all your friends, tell all your coworkers, stuff like that. Email us paramedics unscripted at gmail.com paramedics unscripted at gmail.com paramedics unscripted at gmail.com. If you have any comments, concerns, um, show ideas, you want to be on the show, anything like that. Or if you want to buy our merch, of course you can do so in the links below. It'll be posted later with the show. Uh, without that, Bobby, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, man, I do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and uh, don't forget there's uh, coffee mugs available if anybody's interested. Yeah, coffee mugs, stickers are all available. Uh, we think we have a few coffee mugs left, so uh, yeah, grab those if you want one. Um, and like we said, they're the 15-ounce stuff. They're the real deal, not the bullshit 12-ounce. But uh, yeah, man, without anything else then, man, let's get out of here, dude. You up for that? I'm good, brother. All right, brother. Well, let's end it. This has been Season 2, Episode 3 of Paramedics Unscripted. And we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted.